real news. Honest and fun political talk weekly on the line 90.7 FM. It's been a crazy, crazy week. And I think we should start off the biggest story of the week, which is that Trump has been acquitted. We all expected it. We were all saying that for weeks here, that Trump would be acquitted. He did nothing wrong. But of course, I think this is the the more, I mean, it's kind of expected, but it is the more interesting takeaways that Mitt Romney voted guilty on abuse of power. Mitt, I'm a Republican Romney who hates Trump, who voted that he's guilty on abuse of power, who acts like he's like some noble, I'm on my high horse here kind of guy, is playing the new John McCain, the new uh, Lindsey Graham 1.0 maybe, the old sort of conservative establishment that just hates Trump and is trying to act like you know, they're some sort of angel and they're this darling of the left. They, I don't know why they care what they think, but they do. So Mitt Romney will probably score plenty of CNN interviews from this. I, I think he needs to be primaried so hard. We need to get him out, out, out as Republicans. I think that's what needs to happen more than anything is just get that guy gone. I mean, anybody could run against him and they should be able to beat him. Yeah, I don't think he was ever really a Repub- like a strong Republican. You know, he was from a very, you know, leftist state. I think he was governor of, um, where is that, Massachusetts or something? Yeah, he was in Massachusetts. Yeah. I think he was even in Michigan. Yeah, he handed the presidency to Barack Obama. So, I mean, you know, that's another thing him and McCain have in common. They both were failures, basically. And so, you know, I guess they're lashing out Trump because he succeeded where he failed. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I would I would blame that more on the Republican Party as a whole. Like, you're telling me, like, you're telling me that Mitt Romney was the best candidate that year? Yeah. You're going to tell me, a, 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 like, like some, some Mormon that was, like, a real some financial tycoon turned Massachusetts governor turned like yeah no you you're telling me if that's the best you could do against Brock that was that's a party issue mm. and yeah. the part and the party was and the party was in ruins and uh, honestly for a while until Trump came along oh yeah I remember mm. when that whole thing happened to you know to the 2012 election and because I was kind of young. But I remember a lot of Republicans kind of like, oh, yeah, Mitt's fine. Mitt's cool. Like, yeah, he's, I like how he's so much better than Obama. But you would even see then the people that liked him were kind of like, man, he really doesn't fight back that hard against Obama, you know? And that's where Trump swoops in and fills that void, gives people what they want, which is a fighter. Mitt was so weak, so just an absolutely terrible campaign he ran. And, I, I, I can't believe Republicans let him run in Utah. I mean, it's like, oh, my God. Well, Utah is a very strange state. You know, he pro- if he was like, I think that'd be like one of the major states. You know, no one else like him could really show up in the Republican field outside of Utah. He's just such a weird guy. And like, if you look at some of his venture capitalist stuff, he did some really shady dealings with the uh, Bain Capital. Yeah, I like, remember for that. Being a Republican, he mm-hmm. was involved with some sort of like fetus disposal business. Like he was funding that with his money. Really? Yeah. Well, I read it somewhere, so it must be true. But <laughs> I, don't know, I wouldn't be surprised well, with him. The thing he did—it's good that you mentioned that kind of way because, like, especially with abortion, um, he's kind of changed his stance to when it suits him. 
From from what I understand, he's, the, he's he just looks like a used car salesman. You know, he looks like a greasy used car salesman with his hair all greased up and that fake like salesman smile. Like, hi, I'm gonna sell you a lemon uh, today, and you're gonna like it. He's just so, you know, phony feeling. Like he went and like on he was on his knees for Trump. Like, oh, Trump's so wonderful. I'm so glad he endorsed me. Oh, oh he, my god. Yeah. And then yeah, now he's like, Trump's Hitler. He should be impeached. He just did that to he just did that to suit himself. Like, yeah, because I mean, you remember beforehand uh, when Trump was running, he he was the one that he he called him not a, a serious candidate, called mm-hmm. him a phony, like all the con like, man. He said too, ran, I think. ran him through the loop, and then like yeah, and then he wanted to be a senator. Like, hey, buddy, could you uh, hook me up? Yeah, and it's one thing if, you know, like we talk about in this show a lot, which is you don't want to punch to the right when, you know, you have differences. You don't, I mean, it's one thing to have differences with somebody and unite when you need to and say like, hey, we disagree on this and we don't see eye to eye on this. I think this may be a problem, but, you know, the bigger picture, we you know, says we need to do this. That's fine, but he goes from literally a, a pretty much republican position on Trump, acting like a f- typical conservative to a full-on far-left, you know, Adam Schiff liberal, you know? It's like, it's so fake and phony. I just can't wait till he's gone. I think everybody hates him. Oh, one thing, too, also, he was disinvited from CPAC because of this vote. Now, look, I have issues with disinviting people because CPAC disinvited Milo. There's all this deplatforming you see everywhere. I have a hard time having sympathy for Mitt Romney on this one. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't blame CPAC. You know, it's in their name, Conservative Political Action Committee. He's not conservative. Yeah. You know, I think, what was that? Amy Klobacher in one of the debates, she gave him like a a standing ovation. So, you know, he ought to just go and join the Democrat Party, at least be honest for himself. He'd fit in better and have more friends. I mean, I... He doesn't care about anything but himself. Yeah. I was glad to see a disinvitation, actually. Like, that's how just so you're just like, maybe CPAC is going in a better direction now. I don't know. But it's it's something that, you know, I think we need to start sorting out these uh, establishment types forever and just push them aside and say, nope, we're not going to tolerate anymore. I'm sorry. We're moving on. Nobody likes you guys. Uh, yeah, it's, it's these career politicians too, because he's been in the business of doing that for a while. Like when he wasn't like screwing over like small companies as a venture capitalist, mm-hmm. like literally running companies into the ground. Like Bain Capital did some really terrible like mergers, firing tons of people. You know, he's well, like the like you know if you're you remember the Joker where they had that scene where those people on the subway beat the crap out of that's uh, like Mitt Romney. Yeah, like Mitt Romney would be one of those guys doing that. Yeah. Like, when he, like if he was younger. Like that's that's the sort of vibe that I get from him. Just soulless, cares nothing for anyone else, like super rich, you know? Why is he a Mormon? Honestly, why Why of all the religions he picks Mormonism? Oh, He's oh, from Michigan. You know, well, I think it's, it's like any religion, you know? It's mostly what your parents believed in. I guess. And I mean, if he was not a Mormon and he was running in Utah, it'd be Probably a lot lose. more difficult. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that are difficult, <laughs> did you guys watch the State of the Union? I saw part of it. I had work that night, so I, I couldn't make the whole thing. Yeah, I saw a good, I guess I saw a good chunk of it. Well, I started it because I, I we've been doing this thing on the Versa Media 
sort of platforms we have out there, like our YouTube and whatnot. I started a DLive account, and so I was playing Minecraft while watching it uh, with my <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah, it's interesting, guys. We're bringing you unique content. And hey, I thought yeah. of all the things on DLive, that's going to be the most unique thing, seeing you know two uh, MAGA people playing Minecraft while watching the State of the Union. And you know we had it in the corner so people could see it on the stream. And I have to say, it was probably one of the most dramatic, entertaining, grandiose State of the Unions ever. Like, sometimes these are boring because it's just like every sentence gets a applause afterwards. But it starts off with Trump not shaking Nancy's hand. That's already setting the stage. That's setting the tone. I don't even know if he saw her hand, but whatever. And Trump awarded a 100-year-old Tuskegee Airman... Um, you know, because they always sort of honor these people at State Union with their special guests. So he had a 100-year-old Tuskegee Airman. He united a soldier with his family. That was a really cool moment. I, did, I didn't even think they saw it coming. And I don't even know where he was going to sit, too, because I didn't have enough chairs for him. And they awarded a scholarship to a fourth grader. The Venezuelan opposition leader was there. And Rush Limbaugh, I'm going to talk about this with Sam later because he's a big fan of Rush Limbaugh, who got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, um, tragically, was awarded the Medal of Freedom right then and there by Melania. And it was probably the most powerful moment of the night because that guy was about to cry. If he wasn't crying already, I mean, that was just... I mean, that, that got to me. That was a really cool moment. But at the end, this is what everybody was talking about, was when it ended, Nancy Pelosi took a copy, her copy of the State Union and ripped it in half. Like like Cersei from Game of Thrones, just rip it. Doesn't care. And... Matt Gates has filed an ethics complaint against it, which probably won't go anywhere, but it's good politics, good persuasion. And you had several Democrats boycotting it, not showing up, like the squad of AOC. A lot of them didn't show up. I thought Trump just killed it. It was perfect. It was beautiful. He didn't mention impeachment or Nancy once, but Nancy came off as a petty, just nasty, uh, divisive uh, person that night. It was just terrible. I mean, there's one, it's one thing to play to your side and like, you know, st stand up for what you believe, but she just ripped this copy of his speech that had so many veterans, people who had died for their country in there, and she just doesn't care. I mean, it was good at getting attention, but I don't know if it's really helping them. Well, no, I think it was great optics for the right because you see this, you know, she calls Trump unhinged, but. You know, she's one ripping up his speech that, you know, affected, like, there were so many good people who were involved with that, too. Like, there were so many people, like the Tuskegee Airmen, the woman from uh, Pennsylvania, which is, you know, something yeah. interesting, seeing as we're based out of there. Yeah, she was from And Philly. all this stuff, and she doesn't care. She probably wasn't paying attention. She just knew, you know, it was an evil orange man, orange man bad, he make me look bad. You know, that's, that's what was going on. And honestly, I think this will do wonders for the right because people on the left, they'll see this behavior. And, you know, they'll see her saying that Trump has behavior on uh, unpresidential and then she's pulling off stunts like this. Mm -hmm. She's you the know, worst speaker of the House ever. I mean, impeachment failed. She's ripping up his speech. And, you know, they're going to lose seats, I think, in 2020. If Democrats have low turnout, which we're going to get to that discussion later, but if they have low turnout, going to lose. This is really bad. And the Democrats are just, they can't handle it. Like Rush Limbaugh said, Trump is winning and they just can't stand it. They cannot handle it. They don't know what to do anymore because like everything he says is great and they know it. And they're like, how do we, you know, divert the attention from all these great things he's done? And 
man, they they it's getting just dirty and nasty like we've never seen before. Yeah, you know, talk about nasty women. There's Nancy Pelosi right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. She's become an internet meme now too. Like they made that, they made that tearing, uh, mm-hmm. her tearing, tearing it. They made it a meme. Like they had a picture of her reading. They had a picture of her reading the speech, and then you could just make up whatever words you want yeah. on the piece of yeah. paper, and then they have to rip it. It's yeah, yeah, you know that she was trying to sue like uh, Facebook or Twitter. I don't know about sue, but like pressure them to get rid of that, like the memes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. That was when she looked like. I think there was a video that's a that people claim was sped up of her looking like she had some sort of like issues. I, so I think some people said she was drunk or something, or some people said she was drugged mm-hmm. up, and so she was trying to get that uh, removed and. Did you see, like, during the speech, she's, like, making all these funny faces. She's talking to herself. I'm like, are you crazy? Like, what, what's going on here? I mean, yeah, it just looks senile. bad. She, she's think, like, yeah. like well, I, all the senile Democrats. I know we talked about this last week, but it keeps coming up. Well, we were talking the other day. We were talking about, like, Joe Biden. And I think Nancy Pelosi's kind of there, too. Like, where you're, you're like, like what were some of the signs are like you know she's got the kind of mumbling to yourself and you kind of see joe do it sometimes and and like you you see like like just the the kind of behavior and then she like she mixes some of the stuff that she says um doesn't really make sense and and not and i'm not saying i'm saying obviously everything she says doesn't make sense but like <laughs> i was gonna say but i'm but i'm saying like really like there's words that are completely out of place like you could say you could tell what she's trying to say but then she there's a certain group of words that are like it it it, it appears a little off and and i'm like maybe she is maybe, maybe the maybe the what they're saying is right maybe she is getting a little old and kind of out of place and i i don't know Well, yeah, she is pretty I, I old. They need to go and like get some help or something. She's. Oh, oh there you go. Nothing to see there. She's gone. Uh, I had to give her my key. All right. <laughs> Pardon the rude interruption by the the fellow whammon. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, T's awesome. Yeah, I kid. Everybody knows yeah. that. We all what's love her. On, yeah, what's going on with the party though? Like, you know, the Democrats claim to be the party of like young people, but they keep having these like geriatric patients up there. Well, see, that's the thing that I've noticed too. Is like, all the Democrats are really, really old. Like Trump, even though yeah, he's old, he's still younger than all I think of. You know, a lot of their major figureheads like Nancy, um, Joe Biden, Bernie. I think he's younger than all of them. I could be wrong. I'll check it, but. The, and I don't know if I don't think Nancy's supposed to see that or anything. I think she does probably have some sort of like old people problems coming up. But when you see her, you know, this behavior during the speech, I think it was just her trying to look like she was, you know, resisting hashtag resist Trump, like giving him a little fu sort of thing, you know, subtly. But I just it's just so silly. I mean, I like I said, I think. You know, we'll talk about Iowa later, but in Iowa, I mean, we we see we saw just an absolute catastrophe. She had catastrophe after catastrophe this week. You know, it started off with the Iowa failure, 
Then it was the impeachment failure. So she was like all bitter and emotional, I think, going into this State of the Union. And then hearing all these accomplishments by Trump just like really got under her skin. And so I think that's I think she was planning on ripping it before because some people saw footage of her testing out the rip during the speech. Like you saw her like pull the paper down below um, the podium there and trying to rip it to make sure it would rip. <laughs> I'll give her that. At least she t she checked first because that'd be an epic fail, you know, just getting ready to rip it and it doesn't rip. But yeah, that's that, that's the Democratic Party in 2020, you know. Yeah, they're just unhinged. Yeah. Like they really are. Like when they, they, they that was funny because I can remember during the 2016 elections, it was like, oh, you know, if the Democrats lose, you know, they'll be upset but if the republicans lose they'll be like violent and like unhinged but you know looking at the left now i'm, I'm seeing that's completely false yeah and the other thing too is you see all these um people on the left like on social media they all go on about oh my god the proud boys these awful alt-right nazis are out there beating up innocent people they're so evil and awful and then you see antifa actually hurting people cause you know damaging property and being probably one of the worst political terrorist groups in the past like you know 30 50 years not a peep they don't care they never call them out antifa always gets a pass proud boys get 30 years life in prison yeah it's the way the cookie crumbles you know it's it's sad very sad what's been going on over there I, I wish something could be done. I wish Trump would go and like step in and like offer some sort of, you know, deals or something to go and get them out. Problem is, it's all these state trials. You know, it's at the state level. I don't, I don't know what they can do. But the good thing he is doing is appointing a lot of circuit judge, judges and uh, a lot more. Uh, what's the other thing they call? It? It's one of those other courts, like DC Circuit Courts. You know, so he is doing that, which is good. But well. Hopefully more happens. This week's guest is a lawyer focusing on firearms law with his own civil law firm uh, called the Civil Rights Defense Firm. He's the chief counsel of Firearms Industry Consulting Group, and of course he's a firearms collector himself. Joshua Price, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good. Could you give everybody sort of like a background on who you are, what you do? I kind of gave a hint at there, but could you go more in depth about it? Sure. So my area of focus or concentration is firearms law at the state and federal level. We handle any type of legal issue that may involve firearms with the one exception of patents. Uh, other than that, it means representing any type of issue that someone may have uh, in relation to a firearm. So it means representing individuals who may be denied when they attempt to purchase erroneously. It may be individuals who want to set up some estate planning, maybe utilize a gun trust for procuring National Firearms Act weapons. It also involves representing gun clubs, gun ranges, with everything from instituting specialized bylaws for them to even drafting waivers or, if God forbid, they have an escapement issue where basically a round leaves their property. We also represent federal firearms licensees, which most people know as gun dealers. Uh, they can have issues with everything from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives to issues with customers from their vendors. It can really just uh, be anything that truly involves a firearm. We also obviously for individuals 
handle uh, matters involving self-defense. Uh, so if someone, God forbid, does need to utilize uh, force in a self-defense situational shooting, we represent them. That's awesome. I, uh, I've heard about you for probably several years on the Pennsylvania Firearm Owners Association forum. You know, you're definitely probably the firearms lawyer whenever I hear anything about that in regards to any sort of problems. Well, that's very kind. I, I appreciate that. But anyways, I um, recently saw there's a bunch of articles going around and you were actually able to go and put a stay on a unconstitutional policy of treating 80 uh, percent lower receipt. I think it was lower receivers or it may have been upper receivers as firearms in Pennsylvania. Can you explain to those listening what a 80 percent receiver is and why the stay was important? So that's actually a great question. A lot of people refer to things called 80% receivers, but under both state and federal law, there is nothing defining what is an 80% receiver. And in fact, even the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives has said there is no such thing as whether you want to call it a 50% receiver to a 90% receiver. The law doesn't acknowledge that. Something is either a frame or receiver whereby it is a firearm under state or federal law, or it is not. Where 80% receiver came from was an idea that it was something other than a firearm. It was not yet at the stage of being that frame or receiver that caused it to become a firearm. So what had occurred was allegedly the Pennsylvania State Police sent a letter to the Pennsylvania Attorney General, Josh Shapiro, stating that it couldn't determine at the stage uh, of which a frame or receiver became a firearm where it was in some form of manufacturing process, meaning, you know, was what our industry refers to as 80% receivers where they are not yet a firearm, a firearm under state law. And the attorney general uh, issued an opinion that had about eight different factors where the attorney general said not one of these factors is dispositive, meaning it, it, if you meet the criteria in any one factor, it didn't mean automatically it was a firearm and said that you basically have to apply these factors to any specific object. The Pennsylvania State Police, when it received that opinion, uh, all of a sudden kind of took an about face turn. Uh, and I think it was consistent with what the Attorney General and Governor Wolf wanted, because when Attorney General Josh Shapiro issued the opinion, uh, he and Governor Wolf had a press conference where all of a sudden in the press conference, they said that they had just banned 80% receivers here in the Commonwealth. Yet when you look at the opinion, there's no mention of anything like 80% receiver or any percentages. It had just these factors that were to be applied to any object to determine whether or not it yet had become a frame or receiver, whereby it would be a firearm. Anyway, the Pennsylvania State Police went and took that opinion and basically interpreted it based on what was in the opinion, probably what was being said behind the scenes, as well as the attorney general and governor's press conference to mean that anything that could constitute a firearm was now going to be a firearm. So all of a sudden, the Pennsylvania State Police now issues a letter to federal firearms licensees here in the Commonwealth telling them 
that anything that constitutes now we have a new term, a partially manufactured frame or receiver, a pumpfer, uh, is now all of a sudden a firearm. They don't define what constitutes a partially manufactured frame or receiver. And so all of a sudden, there's a, a halt here in PA to any dealers selling any object that you know, may fall under something that no one knows what is. Uh, so it was extremely problematic. And uh, we did file suit in the Commonwealth Court to uh, basically challenge it. And we requested a preliminary injunction to be issued. And we did have a hearing. Uh, the hearing was very interesting because uh, although we don't yet have the transcript, and I'm sure uh, once we get the transcript, some parts of that uh, will be published, but the Pennsylvania State Police produced a lieutenant colonel with the Pennsylvania State Police, Scott Price, uh, about the fact that he had procured some of these 80% receivers, uh, specifically a Glock one, and that after a couple hours of uh, him utilizing 200 hours of special training he had, as well as special machinery, he was able to turn it into a functional frame. What was interesting was when I had an opportunity to cross-examine him, I asked him, well, how did he procure this? And he said, well, I had him shipped to my home. And I said, so you didn't have him sent to a federal firearms licensee? And he said, well, no. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, because they're not a firearm. <laughs> so... Uh, what was really interesting was uh, during oral argument, Judge Brobson, when the attorney general is representing the Pennsylvania State Police during that oral argument, puts a question forth to their attorneys and says specifically, you you're telling me that this statutory text is so clear that it includes these partially manufactured frames or receivers for which there's no definition. And your own witness, a lieutenant colonel with the Pennsylvania State Police, just testified before me that he didn't think these items were firearms and therefore didn't have them sent to a gun dealer. Do you care to explain how that's the case? And they said, oh, Judge, don't worry. We're not retroactively applying this. So basically, <laughs> we're not going to prosecute the lieutenant colonel for not complying with what we're saying is so clear and evident that anyone should know that it constitutes a firearm. Um, so we were successful in getting an injunction uh, about a, a week, a little bit over a week ago. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You know, like, why are they going to consider a, a receiver at that point, like a metal bar, a piece of plastic? Because if you have like a Paper 3D printer, you could go and make, you know, all sorts of firearm parts with that. That's, cool. that's a little and, bit naughty. And that's actually the, the another interesting aspect that came out during oral argument. Judge Robson asked him, said, listen, I understand, you know, people throw around these percentages, but for our purposes today, tell me what your position is as the Pennsylvania State Police. Are you saying that 80% receivers are firearms or, you know, basically frames or receivers, which makes them firearms? Oh, what what percent are you saying? 60 or are you saying what what percentage? Tell me. And the attorneys with the attorney general's office actually stated that the Pennsylvania State Police's position is that everything from 1% to 100% was a frame or receiver and therefore a firearm. So what you just said is accurate. 
basically the Pennsylvania State Police was interpreting this to mean that even that hunk of metal that arguably still in the ground is a firearm. And that's absurd. Yeah, that's that's nice. So this is like your first major uh, firearms case that you've been involved with? No, we, we've had a lot of different cases, everything from suing the U.S. government over Second Amendment as applied challenges, uh, litigating the bump stock matter, which is currently before the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of uh, state and federal cases uh, involving firearms. And in fact, for the past 10 plus years, that's pretty much all I do is just simply firearms law matters at the state and federal level. I have my own dartboard at ATF headquarters because they hate me so much. Do you have a question, Phil? Yeah. uh, So uh, what are your thoughts on um, Pennsylvania in regards to firearms rights and regulations? Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah, that is a pretty loaded question. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, 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 what, what do you think? Uh, well, here, let, let's 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 keep it simple. Do do you do you think do you think the 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 milieu of the rights and regulations as far as gun yeah, yeah, as far as firearms go is it getting better? You think it's getting worse? What, what what's your take on that? I truly believe it's getting worse. We're seeing a lot more. Uh, encroachment on the Second Amendment and even what we would refer to here in Pennsylvania under Article 1, Section 21 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Uh, It's truly concerning when you look at some of the bills that are being proposed. We've been successful so far in preventing any type of extreme risk protection order from being implemented here in Pennsylvania. Um, And I've testified in front of House and Senate committees regarding that and regarding the unconstitutionality of any extreme risk protection order. Uh, Some of your listeners may be aware that uh, probably now close to a year ago now, uh, Pittsburgh had enacted a number of ordinances, uh, one of which was an extreme risk protection order. Uh, I was uh, retained by Firearm Owners Against Crime and several other organizations, including Firearms Policy Coalition, to challenge all three of those ordinances. Um, We were successful in striking down all three of those ordinances under something called preemption. So here in Pennsylvania, we have a statutory provision as well as, uh, I believe, based on prior precedent uh, from the PA Supreme Court based on Article 1, Section 21, uh, language that preempts any municipality from being able to regulate firearms or ammunition. Uh, The argument is basically only the General Assembly can regulate firearms and ammunition, and that would also be thereby limited by Article 1, Section 21. Uh, For listeners who probably aren't aware, I always think it's very interesting that unlike the federal constitution, uh, where we don't have any explicit statement that those rights specified in the Bill of Rights are what we commonly refer to as inalienable, Under Article 1, Section 25 of the Pennsylvania Constitution, we state that all of the rights specified in Article 1 are inviolate, uh, which would suggest it's even stronger than being uh, inalienable. And it goes on in Article 25, after it says that all these rights are inviolate, to say that they are exempted out of the power of the General Assembly, meaning they don't have any power to regulate something that is inviolate. 
So uh, that being said, we don't have a lot of case law here in Pennsylvania in relation to Article 1, Section 21. Uh, we do have uh, Commonwealth v. Ortiz that addressed Article 1, Section 21 in the preemption context, as I had mentioned before. We also have some case law from the Commonwealth Court that suggests that it be read consistently with the Second Amendment. Uh, however, I would argue that Pennsylvania's provision that says uh, our right to keep and bear arms shall not be questioned is stronger than the Second Amendment, especially when you buttress it with Article 1, Section 25, saying that our rights are inviolate. Um, so I, I guess that's a long way of saying, although I, I do believe that we have some strong pre, uh, preemption and protections in both the Pennsylvania Constitution and statutory law, we are seeing a lot of cha challenges to it. And one of the most difficult things to explain to people is the fact that you have, whether it's local or state government that moves forth and violates these rights, your recourse is to basically have to file a challenge in court. And even when you're successful, you have no right to your attorney's fees back. So the court can declare, yep, this was wrong, what the, the government did, whether again, it's local government or state government, but you know what, sorry, you incurred tens of thousands of dollars fighting this, you don't have any right to recoup that money. And that's really an issue for me. Well, I so what, what? Oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, um, sorry about that. Uh, so, so in the news, obviously we're reading the news of what's going on in Virginia with the uh, the assault weapons ban. What what are your th what are, what's your thought on that? It's extremely concerning. Um, I really hope it makes residents of the Commonwealth wake up and realize how important elections are. I foresee that in the upcoming elections, and by election I mean state election right now, um, in, in the upcoming state elections, there are going to be a number of state representatives that will not be uh, running again. And there is always the possibility that the state house and state senate could be flipped. And right now, based on Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, included, as well as to some extent Erie, uh, we're seeing them really control who is the governor here in PA, as well as the attorney general. I mean, it, it truly blows my mind that our previous attorney general was prosecuted and convicted of violating a number of provisions of Pennsylvania law. And yet we went forth and elected another Democrat as our attorney general. That's really concerning. People really are not waking up and seeing what is happening here. And I'm hopeful that seeing what's going on in Virginia will make people wake up, realize how important it is to go out and vote and, and not just vote, but know who you are voting for and take the time. Uh, also, a lot of people don't realize that here in Pennsylvania, unlike our federal counterpart, we elect our judges. So whether we're talking about a judge for common pleas, Commonwealth Court, Superior Court, Supreme Court, all of those judges are elected 
And once elected, every 10 years, they come up for a retention vote. So we, the people, really do have a lot of power, including in relation to the judiciary, but too few people take the time to actually know who they're voting for. So I really think that does need to change, and I'm hopeful, again, based on what all is going on in Virginia, uh, that we'll, we'll see those changes. I guess getting back maybe to the underlying part of your question, there have been a number of proposals here in Pennsylvania to ban what they try to term as assault weapons. Uh, let's be honest, again, under federal and state law, there is no definition of assault weapon. What is it? Uh, it's whatever they want it to be. And you're kidding yourself if you think they're going to stop there. Um, you know, whatever it is that they want to ban as an assault weapon, they're going to at some point contend that your bolt action rifle is an assault rifle. Um, and so, you know, it's really disconcerting to me that people don't realize that. And if we are all in agreement that the current laws aren't working, then why aren't we proposing repealing the current laws? Mm. And, you know, you want to try something new? Okay, I'll hear you out. But first, you got to repeal what's already existing. Then we'll talk about seeing if something else might work. Well, when I was on your website, I also noticed that you are a certified NRA instructor, which is a pretty impressive title to have there. And the NRA has kind of, you know, had some interesting sort of not only – Criticisms from the left, of obviously, but also criticisms from the right. Uh, where do you, the, of the current state of the NRA, you know, are you cool? Are you in line with how they've been going recently, or do you think that there are better Second Amendment organizations? Uh, there are alternatives to them that actually are more effective. It's uh, funny you mention that the last NRAM. Uh, for those who don't know, that's the NRA annual. Um, I was the person who stood up and objected to them adjourning the meeting because of all the concerns that were uh, in the media and, and out there uh, and wanting those issues to be addressed. Uh, and we were successful in preventing the adjournment that I understand is the first time in over about 40 years uh, that the members have prevented an adjournment from occurring. Um, I do have a lot of concerns about what's going on with the board and Wayne LaPierre. Mm -hmm. uh, I think there does need to be a lot more of an investigation there. Um, Can you but, explain that for people that don't know? So there, there seems to be a lot of insider dealing. And again, I'm basing that off of what tidbits I'm seeing. I believe the board knows a lot more. It seems like there is a lot of money being funneled to entities that are uh, associated with board members or board members themselves. I believe that in and of itself is a conflict of interest. Uh, for example, Marion Hammer, who is one of the board members from Florida, she's getting over $200,000 a year uh, from the NRA. I think that's a problem. Um, also, uh, Wayne LaPierre, as we know, has been spending extravagantly, uh, spending hundreds of thousand dollars just on attire. Uh, there's a lot Jeez. of other concerns there, uh, including one law firm that NRA has been using, the Brewster Law Firm out of Texas, where they are paying them um, several million dollars per month to represent NRA. 
I cannot fathom how a small law firm as uh, Brewster is could possibly be billing multi-million dollars per month to NRA, yet it's being billed and it's being paid. So I, I do believe there's some issues. Also, uh, attorney Brewster was representing the NRA in a, a case down south and was uh, about now a year ago removed as an attorney representing NRA because the court found out that he was under ethics charges in Texas and failed to disclose those ethical issues to the court when he had applied for what's called pro hoc vice, meaning I'm not a member of the court, I'm asking for permission just to be involved in this single case uh, admission. And so I, I think th there's just so many issues out there that are really truly concerning uh, with regards to NRA. I think that we really as members do need to have uh, far better accountability uh, there and transparency and understanding of what all is going on because it does seem like a lot of the money is being wasted. I can't understand how Wayne is worth millions and millions of dollars per year. Um, I understand he's done a lot for the organization, but still uh, there needs to be some transparency there into the spending and how he is generating far more income for the organization than the organization is paying because it is again a nonprofit. It seems as though it's being utilized as a for-profit company or corporation and that's not what it is. In relation to uh, other entities at the national level, I have to acknowledge that I have been highly, highly impressed with Firearms Policy Coalition and Firearms Policy Foundation. Uh, one is a, a C3, the other is a C, I believe four, um, they're basically, in essence, the same entity, but for tax purposes, one can go out and uh, do some political stuff, whereas mm -hmm. the other one cannot. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, yeah, because I've, I've dealt with those 501C, 501C3 things before. So, you know, it's like the I think the C3 is the ones where you can have tax exemption, but you can't do political endorsements and whatnot. Correct. And the person who donates to it gets a tax write-off, whereas with any other C status, uh, the person donating doesn't get that write-off. Yeah. Uh, but in you know the nature of full disclosure, uh, Firearms Policy Coalition has and Firearms Policy Foundation uh, have retained me in matters and have funded litigation even where they're not a per se party. Uh, matters that I've handled. So I, I don't want any of the listeners to think that, uh, you know, arguably I'm not biased in it. Uh, but at the same mm -hmm. token, I'm an NRA member and I just told you what my true thoughts of NRA are right now. Yeah. I, I don't have a problem speaking my mind, uh, but I, I truly have been impressed with all the different matters that uh, Firearms Policy Coalition and Firearms Policy Foundation have been taking on and winning. That's another big thing. There are a number of uh, other national organizations out there, especially uh, some that pound their chest and, and really make a good statement. But at the end of the day, when you research what actions they've actually litigated and even where they have litigated them, have they been successful? That that may change your, your opinion of some of those. Um, so just always keep that in mind. Do your own research and make an informed opinion. But I, I do think we need to support those organizations that are out there defending our rights. 
All right, so we have um, we're getting close to the end of our um, you know pro of our section over here. But one one last question for me, you know, I see this trend recently among states where they're uh, passing legal legal marijuana, and I'm seeing you know when you felt those, I think it was form four four seven three. You know, it asks you straight up if you smell if like if you use uh, marijuana. What are your thoughts on how this affects firearm rights? Do you think that this is a tactic by the left to go and basically prevent people from owning and using firearms if they want to go and partake in, a, you know, a soon-to-be legal drug in many states? You know, any sort of thoughts on that? So I'm not so sure that the left has thought it through to that level. I can't say that I believe it is an attempt on their part to divest uh, all those individuals of their Second Amendment rights. It is important, especially based on the false statements that Governor Wolf has made, to make sure that your listeners do know that if you, even if you here in Pennsylvania have a medical marijuana card and are therefore legally under a state law authorized to have and utilize marijuana, that they recognize the fact that marijuana is still federally prohibitive. And as a result, you cannot purchase, possess, or utilize any firearms or ammunition because of the fact that marijuana is still federally prohibitive. If you are found in possession of any firearm or round of ammunition, uh, you could be charged federally. And for each offense, you're looking at a maximum of 10 years in jail, $250,000 in fines. So if you have that 500 round brick of 22s, that's 500 separate felony counts coming right at you. Uh, it's very serious. Uh, it's very concerning. Uh, I can't say that I know of a case here in Pennsylvania thus far where someone has been prosecuted for it. And it does seem like the feds are backing off to some degree in relation to it. However, I can also tell you that I have had individuals who are lawful medical marijuana uh, recipients or users who apply for their Act 235 or are seeking to renew their Act 235, which allows them to be a security guard, where the Pennsylvania State Police is now denying them uh, because of the fact that they are a medical marijuana card recipient. Uh, and I have issues with that because just because you have the card doesn't mean you're a util you're not it doesn't mean that you're utilizing marijuana. Um, they're just taking the position, well, why would you have the card if you weren't going to utilize it? So there are a lot of concerns in relation to medical marijuana and, you know, all your listeners really need to be cognizant of it. Yeah, it's important that you mention that because a lot of us probably don't even know the surface of a lot of these laws, even though we see the headlines, read the articles, there's always a lot more to it. Um, last question uh, before we close out, we got 10 seconds left. What is your go-to firearm and where can people find you if they want to, you know, fight for their rights without going full 1776? <laughs> well, a go-to firearm, I guess it would have to be a Glock 18C as a protective weapon. Mm. Uh, of course, they're only post samples. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if anyone needs to find any information out about me, you can find it on firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com. Again, that's firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com, or you can call us at 888-202-9297. Or just Google Joshua Prince, and you'll find plenty of articles about me. Cool, cool. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, we always try to bring unique perspectives. So this is our first time having a lawyer on. It was great insight, and we were glad to have you on. Thank you so much. Sure. Thanks for having me. Happy to be back anytime. Yeah, thank you.
Thank you. Sure. I thought the interview went well. We gained some insight on the law of a lot of these sort of gun laws in PA. So that's pretty good. I liked it. What did you guys yeah, think? I, I thought he was a very good um, guest we've had on. Very, very interesting insights. Very knowledgeable. Probably the easiest time I've ever had talking to a lawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, usually yeah. we're more nerve-wracking than talking to a lawyer. Uh, it's ex he's extremely knowledgeable, of course. Um, I, and and I, I, like, I, like I've always said, like, whenever we talk to people that, like, that are experts in that field it's always a good conversation yeah it's always better to have people in the room that are smarter than you you know because you learn something mm -hmm. it makes everybody else smarter that's what i love about it. speaking of things that aren't smart <laughs> in iowa they democrats had a colossal failure where they had this new app to register for the iowa caucuses and it was supposedly rushed flawed from the beginning and it was just terrible. The vote count was off. There were rounding errors, all kinds of stuff. Now, Tom Perez, DNC chair, is going to have basically a recount. They call it a recanvassing, but it's a way of saying a recount in a caucus. Uh, that doesn't mean they have to caucus again. They're just going to recount everything. And, man, it is it me or are the Democrats trying to steal it again from Bernie? Are they trying to rig it or what? Because if Bernie won this state, which he did win the, as the Democrats would say, he won the popular vote. Um, you know, he didn't get as many delegates as Pete Buttigieg, but he did win the popular vote. And if he won that state, which I think he was, in, you know, they were afraid he was going to, he would have had momentum from Iowa going into New Hampshire, which he was already destined to win, projected to win. Then he would have had two states in a row wins. And going to South Carolina, he probably could have taken down Biden, who's ahead right now, but probably not by a lot since some of the polls are kind of old. And they're touting Bloomberg out a little bit. They're pushing him out. He's spent more money than any candidate in the race so far. That's also because it's early. But I don't know if Bloomberg is going to be the plan B for Biden if he falls over and they can't pick him up because uh, Biden is just absolutely the biggest loser in Iowa. If there's... Any loser in Iowa, it's Biden. He lost so badly. Trump is arguably the biggest winner. <laughs> I mean, not just in the Republican race, but he comes out of it mocking them and how terrible their voting system was, how their app was a total failure, and going into his uh, State of the Union blasting the Democrats and uh, you know showing all of his accomplishments. You know, just bragging about him, like rightfully so. And then being acquitted, I mean, it just can't get any better for him. It's probably one of his best weeks ever. And I think you're going to see, I think Bernie Sanders has potential to get the nomination. I think they're going to try and stop him. I don't think he's going to quite get it because they're going to rig it against him. But Biden might just limp and crawl across the finish line, just beat Bernie. Or maybe it's Bloomberg, but I kind of doubt that. Bloomberg's coming into it late, hasn't been in the debates. It's... Bernie has a chance, I think. I think because the votes are being so split with like 25 going to Bujek, 25 Biden, or whatever the percentages are, Bernie just needs a little bit more in that. And with Warren going down, those votes will move to Bernie. So what do you guys see? as What were you forecasting for this final, um, you know, few states before Super Tuesday? Yeah, I'm, I don't see Biden as winning. I, I can't see him doing that. He's just fallen so hard. And he's, you know, fallen. I can't get up. He needs some uh, life alert right now. But, <laughs> yeah. um, 
Now, I I think that it's probably going to go down to between Biden, or uh, not Biden, uh, Buttigieg and uh, Bernie. You know, you really think Bernie? You think Buttigieg is going to win states like South Carolina, Georgia, all these other states? Um, you know that I mean it's gonna be tough between him and Bernie, but I think that they're gonna rig it for him honestly, because they I think they know that Bernie will not do well in a general election. He's he's just plain too old, and honestly, like Buttigieg, he's young, he's a veteran. He'd be able to appeal to more of the moderates, and I think the establishment realizes that. Well, I will say, I think Bernie, in general, will get creamed by Trump. Even though he has energy, you know, coming out of Iowa, Bernie has the energy um, and and the momentum. Biden has just nothing. It's just he has a loss. Buttigieg has some momentum. But Buttigieg, I don't see getting the nomination at all because he has very low support among African-Americans, whereas Biden has that, you know, just the vast majority of the African-American support on the left which is critical for them, especially if they come out. I, Iowa never means anything. I, I keep seeing all these news outlets saying, oh, Iowa is so important. Oh, my God, Iowa. It's, it's, it decides the election. It's like, no, it doesn't. I, Trump lost Iowa. He came in second. Uh, Cruz won. I mean, Iowa's 95% white. They're not very representative of the country. And I think that's why Buttigieg, he, he'll do good in Iowa, maybe in a few other states, but overall, he's not going to have a chance at all of winning uh, the nomination. But like I said, Biden was in, I think, fourth place as of now in Iowa. I have fact-checked that, or fifth. He's down far. Trump was in second when there was a crowd field in the Republicans. So really, it's only down to a few people, um, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I mean, he'll, uh, Buttigieg will appeal to the uh, LGBTQIA, PRP, you know, Tupac crowd. So I think they'll definitely. Oh, we have a caller? We we do have a caller. Hello, caller. You said you had a question for us? Um. So if we want Trump to win, who do we want the Democratic nominee to be? Oh, if we want Trump to win, I think the Democrat nominee needs to be either, I think Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren. I think she would be the best, uh, you know, opponent for Trump because Bernie at least has an energetic base, even though it's not popular, it's not that big. He still has a pretty good sized base that's energetic that could drive some votes out. But Pocahontas, she's got nothing. She's slumped so far in the polls and she's pretty goofy in my opinion she doesn't come off as authentic so i think if you put her up trump would have just a field day and could beat her so easily and i think even biden even though he appeals to moderates i still think trump can take him out pretty easily i think i think he could take all of them out i i like because I, I don't see it like oh, well if if warren were to win the nomination that would be like he would have a field day with Warren Biden. Of course, he would have a field day with Biden too. Uh, Sanders, Sanders, you know he's he's got a good uh, he's got a good popularity going on him, but that and lots like, of money. Yeah, but but he also has that socialism tag too that is still extremely unpopular overall in the country. Um. So I think I think Trump Trump would run steamroll him too, and and then you have 
I mean, I, I guess Buttigieg. I, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he would. Maybe, uh, maybe Buttigieg would probably be the least. The I don't know. I, I think uh, Bloomberg. To me, I, I just, I think Bloomberg. I, I'm not gonna sleep on Bloomberg mm. just because he has the money. He has the stay. He has the staying power, and does he? And <laughs> and yeah. Well, he has the money. Of course, he has the staying power. But he's so boring, and he's coming so late and into the game. He just did. He just had, and he could buy his way to any ad he wants. I was. I just saw, as we were on break, I just saw a Mike Bloomberg commercial with John Cougar Mellencamp, right? Um, which you know. And he's trying to, you know, bring in the working class, and like uh, he's well, he's trying to bring the working class. But yeah. anyway, and la- and and the last last point I want to make is he could still pull off an independent ticket. He could still, if all else fails, he could pull off an independent ticket. That'd which, be a catastrophe for the Democrats. True, but not for maybe not for Michael maybe not for Michael Bloomberg. Mm. Maybe um, not. He would not win, and it would split the vote with the Democrats. I yep. think that'd be a bet. That'd actually be really good for Trump. If but he here, yeah. here's the problem. So, so here's the problem, though. Here's the question, though. Okay, you're 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 running this campaign. You you're you put hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising and all this stuff. They're barely letting you speak in the. They're barely letting you speak, if if at all, in these debates. They're they're railroading you on on the delegate counts and all that stuff with the states. You know you're probably not going to win because the, the the Democratic committee is going to steam like going to railroad you. Maybe that maybe that independent ticket doesn't sound like a bad idea for Mister Bloomberg because because it's like well shoot if I've already spent this much money I might as well I might as well run as an independent. I might have it. I mean, grant you, can I win an independent ticket? No, mm. but I, I have a heck of a better chance at the independent ticket than I do the with a Democratic Party that's steamrolling me over right now. Caller, what do you think is actually the best candidate for Trump to face off against? Um, I just wanted to see him go up against Biden because I feel like he would just just destroy him in debates. And I thought that'd be really entertaining to watch. Yeah, I think it definitely would be entertaining. Because uh, Trump could always pull out those zingers, insults, and one-liners just like right off the uh, you know cuff like that. I Do you have any other questions for us or any other comments you'd like to l- let down for all the listeners? Um, no, I just wanted to ask that. Um, thank you. So. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for calling in. Yeah, thank you. That's a good question. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and if anybody else wants to call in, call in at 814-865-9577. Ask us a question, have a conversation. We can keep it rolling. Um, but, yeah, I think so the thing with Bloomberg is, like, we played this last week. Like, when he has these ads with, like, puppy dogs saying, I like Mike, and he's saying uh, big, gay, big gay ice cream is the best. I mean, he's such a cringy, terrible can. Like, even Pocahontas isn't this cringy. And I, I think money in politics is obviously a big part of it. I mean, it absolutely is. Like, if you're broke, like, you ain't going anywhere. But I think money is a bit overrated. I don't think the guy with the most money is going to, you know, become the nominee or anything. Because look at, look at, uh, um, what's his face? I'm more forgetting. Jeb. He had the most money. 
but he was a terrible candidate, so it doesn't matter. Trump destroyed him. I mean, Trump's also one of the best candidates ever seen, but still, if, well, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you're going to get the nomination or get that close to it. Well, the thing is, there's a big difference between the Democratic National Committee and the uh, you know GOP. Going to take a look at that. The Democrats are much more corrupt with their superdelegates, so it's much easier, as you can see with like Hillary versus Bernie, you know, for someone to go and basically rig the elections. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he'd be, he would not do very well with Democrats because they just see him as as another basically Trump, you know, yeah. with a Democrat spin on it. Yeah, a old white billionaire. That's like exactly what they don't want. You know, so they want I would assume somebody that's you know feels more of the people grassrootsy type which is even though bernie let's be honest he's not that genuine in a sense where he does have a lot of backing uh, a lot of money he's still in people's eyes comes off as more of somebody that's fighting for them i mean he's got the young people like hands down he's got some working class vote and you know, or send some adult vote, you know, working adult class. But is it enough? It might be only because the votes are so split. That's what I think it becomes tricky. And I think the Democrats are scared of him. I think Republicans shouldn't underestimate him. Trump shouldn't underestimate him because at least his base, at least he has supporters. Like, have you ever met a Biden supporter? Have you ever met somebody that goes, yeah, I'm voting for Joe. Yeah, I love Biden. And you just don't find those people. They, they don't exist, honestly. Wow. I think with Joe, it's mostly riding off the coattails of Obama. You know, his that's thing, his message. Yeah. yeah, that his thing is, you know, I'm gonna be Obama 2.0. He's basically like uh, that Castro guy before he dropped out. Yeah, because basically Castro seemed like Obama 2.0, but now that he's out of the race, you know, Biden's probably the next best thing. You know, especially since he actually worked with Obama. Well, that's where I think a lot of the uh, adult voters, the well, I keep saying adult, older voters. You know, your middle age older people i think all those go to biden but the younger people are all going to go to bernie and the democrats have been pushing hard for young people to vote and they may have created their own monster which is bernie supporters you know they may have indirectly gotten a lot of young people to vote for bernie even though that's not what their intention was so i th it depends how the young turnout works how turnout overall works but we've already seen in iowa that democrats are having a lower turnout in 2016 which it's kind of makes sense, kind of expected, because they don't really have an energizing, exciting candidate, whereas the Republicans do. That's one of the biggest predicators I see of who's going to win is turnout numbers. Trump had huge turnout numbers. He got the most votes of any Republican ever, and that's where I think he's going to have a pretty clean win. But well, speaking of – oh, you want to say something? Well, yeah, honestly, of all the people that would be probably the hardest for Trump to go and fight against in general, I, I would I would still say it's Tulsi Gabbard, but I don't think she has no, a chance. No, no, she'd be so easy to beat. Nobody supports her. Well, it, you know, if, you know, somehow she won, you know, she'd have the woman vote and, you know, possibly fight into some of the veteran vote. Like Buttigieg kind of, you know, goes into that as well with the veteran vote. But the thing is, you know, a lot of people will probably just not vote for him because, you know, he's gay. You know, that in, in America, I don't know if we're ready for, you know, necessarily like a gay candidate yet. Yeah, I think also what's um, in, I think what you're going to see in the next few weeks or at least after the next few elections, you're going to see Yang, Tulsi 
and and Steyer and a few others are on like the bottom tier. You're gonna see them drop out. They're just you know so miserably bad. <laughs> you know it's it's. I mean Yang I think got like one percent in Iowa. Tulsa got like I don't even know if she got one percent. Like they're just terrible candidates. Well, I think Yang would do better if you know uh, Sanders wasn't in there. I think no, that's kind no, of no, no way. He doesn't have the name recognition. Nobody. Well, not, well, he's young, but I think he is that same sort of grassroots base, like, like a similar grassroots base that Sanders has. No, well, it's it's still too small because he's talking about Sanders. Bernie is is talking about issues people care about right now. Yang is talking about issues nobody, no average American is even thinking about, like. UBI. Most Americans don't even know what that is. Well, he's, no, but he's talking about like automation and stuff. And a lot of like, especially younger people are concerned about that. They are, but young people don't vote. And in the Democrat Party, you know, that's who they're kind of going with. That's why I'm saying he's, yeah. like, he's a lot like Bernie Sanders in some ways. In some ways, he's not, but in a lot of ways, he is. I mean, for what he is, he's you know, he's he's kind of you know. I don't want to say impressive, but considering he's kind of a nobody that just came into it and he got some support to last as long is something to be said. But he just I, I don't take him too seriously, honestly. Like I, I like his supporters, actually, but I don't care for him at all. And I think he's wrong on a lot of things and just, you know, he's has got, some wacky policies. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a Democrat, so I'm going to disagree with him on 99 percent of things. But, you know, out of all the Democrats there, he's. At least he's thinking about the future. Yeah, you know, I acknowledge that. You know, he's got some interesting ideas. Now, I don't know if they'll generate into votes, but they probably, I mean, they probably won't. Obviously not now, but I think, you know, in the future, once Bernie Sanders, you know, just drops out of politics, Sanders drops out because he's like 80 years old and had a heart attack. Mm. You know, I think that he'll be, you know, taking up that sort of man. No, nope, that's what AOC takes up. She's the star of that sort of, you know, socialist wing of the Democrats. She's the next in line uh, once Bernie goes. Like, she is way, 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 way better than Yang at politicking. So she'll take it up. But when will she be eligible? Few, uh, I think it's like in the 2030s or 40s. And, you know, I, I don't see Yang running again, to be honest. He might run one more time, maybe. But she has way, way more followers way more name recognition than than he'll probably ever have um but it's it's interesting we talk about like his supporters because we just had a mock democrat debate here at penn state and we had uh it was it was held by the college democrats here at penn state and we had representatives from all of the candidates in the race except except and they were promised to be there students for pete didn't show up to the debate. Word on the street is their debaters were rushing a frat and they thought that was more important than a Democrat debate. Frankly, I'm not a friend of frats, frats, but frankly, I agree with them. <laughs> it's way more, you know, at least that's more entertaining what they were doing. I mean, the debate almost put me to sleep. It was a great nap, great two-hour nap. I tried to ask questions during the Q&A. They didn't take any of our questions. And... It was so funny because they didn't even have Biden on their ads for it. Like, it was like, oh, this mock Democrat debate with Yang Gang, uh, students for Amy, all these groups, students for Bernie. They didn't have Biden on there, but they put him in in the debate. They got two of their guys that looked like to do it for them. They didn't seem to be taking it too seriously. And the debate was kind of a joke. 
And you could vote for who was winning the debate or who you thought won the debate. And for the longest time, they had Mayor Pete on that list. And I think they caught on that many people were voting for Mayor Pete. I I don't know who would do that. Whoever's doing that is just downright uh, just the devil to vote for the candidate that isn't on the stage. But people did that, and then they eventually removed an hour and a half into the debate. And they didn't even tell us who won at the end. I think you had to stay for, like, longer. But I wanted to get out of there. I was just falling asleep. So... Not much to report from that. It seems like the Iowa caucus, they didn't even tell you who won at the end. Yeah, it's it's almost as if, the yeah, the, even the college Dems, they're following in the footsteps of their, uh, their, uh, you know, uh, what would you call Corrupt them? Their counterparts? Yeah, they're, they're partners in crime. They're, they're rigging the elections too. They're, they're already rigging it. You know, it, it was kind of like the Iowa caucuses all over again. Uh, you know, Democrats are not good with apps, it seems, at these things. So... That, that was pretty uneventful, but uh, we're going to have Sam Whitfield on in a few minutes, so we'll be talking more about, you know, things that have been going on in the news. Uh, did you guys see Kirk Douglas died? Uh, who, uh, was that the Hollywood guy? Yeah, he's a very, very famous actor. He's in Spartacus, Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, or whatever that, I forget what that one's called, and a bunch of other stuff. He died at 103. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his son is get, is already getting up, like, you know, in his, like, 70s or 80s or whatever. Michael Douglas. So it's like, jeez. Yeah, Michael Douglas had throat cancer. He uh, he claimed he got it from uh, pleasuring women. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> I heard about that. That's, yeah. uh, that's a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was years ago, but, yeah, that's. Yeah. Didn't he like smoke or something though? Oh or, yeah, like, oh yeah, yeah. He smoked and uh, he did all that. Like he, 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 he definitely lived a uh, a uh, Charlie Sheen esque life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he lived one of those lifestyles. Uh, that was funny when he said that. I, I laughed. I, <laughs> what <yeah>. Chad? <laughs> well, we'll be he going did back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, he was a royal Chad. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you guys are gonna see an entertaining video that I saw, and I guess obviously our listeners are gonna listen to it. Uh, Gavin McGinnis was playing this on his show on Censored TV, which we'll talk about controversy of that happening. But th- th- there's this businessman in California that start attacking reporters. Um, he started getting into a brawl with them. And w- why he started it is rather interesting, to say the least. I think they'll say it in this news clip. So let- let's see what this is about. A business owner attacks San Diego news crews on a La Mesa sidewalk. A 10 News photojournalist capturing the violent confrontation on her cell phone. Good evening. I'm I'm Lindsay Pena in for Kimberly Hunt. That man was the subject of a news story today. It all started with reports of lewd acts outside his business. 10 News reporter Mimi Alcala joins us live outside of Peter's Men's Apparel. And Mimi, several people say they were harassed by that owner before this even happened. This is where it gets good. Lindsay, that's exactly why we were out here in the first place today, reporting on two separate incidents that allegedly happened here over the weekend, right outside of Peter's men's apparel here in La Mesa, right off of La Mesa Boulevard. It was an assault and a lewd act from over the weekend that police were looking into. Now, it all started with this post from La Mesa police saying they were aware of a video on Facebook 
A snapshot from that video appears to show a man and a woman outside of Peter's men's apparel. The man appears to have his hands up the woman's shirt. Police said they were investigating that video and whether a lewd act was committed. When we came here to the shop and then the store's owner showed up, this is what happened when we tried to question him. Okay, so I, I, if nobody could obviously see what this happening, but this guy's literally like going after reporters after uh, he was caught pleasuring a uh, woman outside his store, like literally like on the sidewalk. <laughs> so he's just like attacking reporters. Now, the owner eventually retreated into his store and locked the door. Police did show up minutes later. They took our statements from the crews out here, other reporters and photographers as well, some of whom are saying they now plan to press charges against that man. The owner never came back out, and it's still unclear if he's still inside or if he's been arrested. That tells you everything you need to know there. Um, why, why were people freaking out over that? Like, what's the... You know, can't he do what he wants from his own store? <laughs> yeah, you always have to be fish. You always have to keep an eyebrow raised at a place like Peter's Men's Apparel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Always something fishy about a Yeah. Well, you know, it's in California, so nothing really surprises me there. You know, people kind of relieve themselves on the streets, so... I'm surprised they didn't like welcome this sort of behavior with open arms. Well, that's know? what I'm saying. I'm like, this is like the weirdest, funniest story, like out of California, because you you think this is like normal. They're like, oh, this is so acceptable. It's progressive, but they're like freaking out at him, and he's like attacking these reporters. I mean, I, I don't know what to say, honestly. Well, maybe uh, maybe he didn't receive consent, and that might be where the issue is coming from. Well, they you know, it's all about free love in California, but if it was um, unreciprocal, um, mm. unreciprocal love, then there might be an issue there. Well, apparently what he did once in his store, there was a woman like in his store, a larger woman, and he like grabbed her, um, like her stomach, like pinched it and said, you should lose a few pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely not okay in California. I'm like, what's this dude doing? What does he think he is? Uh, it's just wild. Uh, we have Sam Whitfield on the line, though. How have you been doing, Sam? I'm, I'm doing well. Is So I guess that's my cue. Yes. So. You're on. All right. Well, that that was literally the best cue uh, ever, by the way. That 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 was a, that was a seamless uh, transition going from uh, you know groping store clerks uh, to uh, to me. Yeah, so, I, I hope you appreciate I, that uh, that first act there, that warm up act. Well, it it it, it, it certainly makes me feel better about you know. Like I, I might be desperate for like a day, but I'm not that desperate. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, if you own like yeah. a men's, uh, a gentleman's fashion store, you know. Well, first of all, why were women going into like a men's fashion store? Like I, I don't know unless they're buying some for like their husband or something. But if you do, you know, that's a way you can attract females. Apparently, right on your uh, 
sidewalk right in front of it. You don't even have to leave your place. Uh, but I know you, Sam, uh, did a stream on Rush Limbaugh since it's been, he's been on the air more than 30 years. He's been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Uh, I started watching your stream, but, you know, it was happening on uh, Turning Point Day, which is Thursday. That's when we have our meeting, so I didn't get to see the whole thing. But uh -huh. I know. I'll rewatch it. But uh, no what problem. can you give us, you know, sort of, a, you know, because I know Rush was a big inspiration to you. Like, can you give us uh, why he was so, you know, impactful to you and, you know, how you're feeling about the tragic news recently and, of course, him getting the Medal of Freedom? Sure. Well, well, you know, Rush has not only been influential to me, but I think he's been influential to the whole entire conservative landscape and arguably uh, not just the conservative landscape, but basically the format of talk radio in general. Even some of the more progressive slash left wing hosts have to begrudgingly give him credit because he really um, is responsible for making the format what it is. Some people argue that Neil Bortz, you know, is the one who started, but, um, you know, Rush was the one who really brought it to market, I guess, back in the 80s. Um, and for me personally, I mean, without going into too many details, because we would be here for like an hour. Mm -hmm. I mean, I grew up listening to Rush in the car growing up. And uh, when I was 14 or so, I was in eighth grade, and that was the year that, uh, that was back in 2008, so Obama was still senator, and that was when political correctness was kind of starting to become a thing. But like we hadn't hit clown world yet, but there were there were signs, and uh, it was hitting my middle school at the time. So I was like, you know, I just went out on a limb and was like, you know, I'm gonna try this like new podcasting thing. So. Uh, Rush inspired me, and I did, and you know, lo and behold, it's my show has kind of taken off twelve years later. So yeah, and I have Rush to thank for that. So thank you, sir. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie. I I guess since it's because I'm younger uh, than a lot of his like listeners, and that's not an insult. Like that's just the way our generations oh, no. work. Um, you know, I I've not I've really listened to very little of him. I mean, I see him on Fox a few times, and that's when I've you know, heard him and I'd be like, you know, he's very good at what he does. Like he speaks very well, very big. He's a perfect radio voice. Um, and he's, he, he understands what's going on extremely well. And I think that's a certain beauty that we're losing that comes from radio. Cause you like radio hosts like Laura Ingram, Rush, all these other people, they'll have their Fox shows and our stuff. But when they're on the radio and they get these callers, of average Joes, they seem to learn what people actually care about, what people are actually saying. And they are the ones that predict Trump. They are the ones that understand what's going on, whereas other people don't. They 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 can read the culture really well. I mean a lot of a lot of admittedly blue collar, you know, workers, the reason why the program is so successful is I mean, it's not strictly related to blue collar people. There are, you know, white collar people who listen too, but you know, it's a lot of people who, uh, you know, are either on the road for their job, you know, or commute or even, you know, in the office now stream, you know, his show, or whatever online. It was the biggest um, radio show in the world or in the country, at least. 
Yeah, I, I I actually did a stream last night, and uh, I looked up his stats, and fifteen point five million listeners. Uh, wow, on on terrestrial radio alone, that doesn't even count his website. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think Alex Jones is pretty big too, but like Alex Jones is, you know, most of his audience is online, and you know, Rush. Rush has a large online audience too, but 15.5 on terrestrial radio itself. That's huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah, it's insane. It's bigger than Howard Stern. Yeah. Well, Howard Stern is weird because, like, he got kicked off radio and he's on Sirius. And, like, Sirius never releases, like, their, I guess, their stats, really. Mm. Like, but. Anyway, I, I've never been a sub, so I, I've never really subbed to Sirius, so I can't really speak to their, you know, format, how they do things. But um, Well, speaking yeah. of the internet, though, I know you're a big follower of Gavin McGinnis, like I am, and his website where he's been putting his show, his media site, you know, where he's got Laura Loomer's show, uh, Milo's show, Gavin's Get Off My Lawn show, and a bunch of other people, and he's getting new people. His site... It's called Censor.TV. It's appropriately titled. And he, you know, all these voices have pretty much, I think all of them have been kicked off Twitter. I mean, I know Loomer, Milo, and Gavin have all been kicked off Twitter and kicked off other platforms. On Facebook now, if you go, I did this. If you don't believe me, try it right now. Go on to Facebook and do this. Type Censor.TV or copy the link and paste it into your Facebook post and then hit post. You can't post it. Facebook says it's against our community guidelines and you can't post it. It is one of the spookiest, scariest things I've ever just seen a big tech censorship. Like, not only are they just banning people, which is bad enough, they are stopping and censoring what you can literally say as anyone, anyone, anyone can't, you know, anyone on Facebook can't say this. No one on Facebook is allowed to type censor.tv at all. That is so crippling. It's scary. I mean, I bet I'm, I haven't tried it because I'm scared to, <laughs> but you can probably share Daily Stormer, which is a white supremacist website, on Facebook, but you can't share censor.tv. Disavow. Yeah. <laughs> Strong disavow. To be clear, we all disavow that, okay? Because, I mean, I've gotten attacked by some uh, crazy alt writers recently, and so is my oh, girlfriend. Yeah. Me, me too, after having you after having you on to talk about the alt-right. Oh, afterwards. really? But, Wait, well, well, why does this keep happening? <laughs> uh, I don't... Between between them and, uh, you know, Owen Benjamin, which we can get to, you know, if you want to in a sec, but, uh, you know, it's... What's spooky to me is that they're censoring the word "censored" now. Mm-hmm. Like, like if it it would be funny if it weren't so creepy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, because when I did it, I was. I mean, this stuff doesn't shock me anymore because it just keeps happening. But when I typed in, I couldn't send. Like that made me just. I was taken aback, and I know Alex and I were playing with this, but we tried a link shortener, like a bit.li link. That yeah. didn't, they didn't let you do that, but I think you, Alex, took the bit.li or the sensor.tv, put it in some other one, and then it worked. Yeah, you had to go and nest your um, link shorteners, but you can do it that way. Although that's getting a little more difficult because you know, I've, I've worked in cybersecurity, and I know that like a lot of people will like malicious uh, people will go and like nest those things as well, so it's getting harder to do that. But, you know, it's able to go in full Facebook. 
but you know who knows how long that'll last yeah how it, yeah go ahead sam my, my my thing is how long before they start going out after people who are just like tangentially associated with um with gavin you know gavin or or they already are uh, his uh technician ryan uh i forget his last name but ryan his accounts were taken down and other people oh, yeah. associated with him were taken down Oh yeah, Ryan's Ryan's personal Facebook is gone. Yeah, I'm actually trying to get him uh, on the show. I the, the ironic thing is I can't reach out to him anymore <laughs> because he's he's not on. I mean, I have other ways to contact him uh, that I don't want to disclose. But um, yeah, it's I it's ironic. But like, I was thinking like, how long before they pop? Joe Rogan. Now people are saying that oh well they're never gonna pop Joe Rogan, but yeah, Gavin on the show. Ro, Ro, well, well, Rogan's had Gavin and Milo and Alex like, Jones. Uh, Alex Jones and like, granted, I I know that you're not a big Ben Shapiro fan. But, like at this point, they're even coming after Ben Shapiro now just for kind of being like conservative. It's really mm-hmm. weird. So, you know, I think that's, you know, in a sort of accelerationist way, that's almost a good thing because the yeah. more people they censor, the more people are going to wake up and realize that something needs to be done to stop this. Yeah. Even you know, I think it'll be a good thing in the long run because yeah, people- even a lot of like the moderate Democrats at my school and granted, I'm in Florida. So like even the Democrats here are kind of conservative ish, but even them at my school are like, dude, this is crazy that this is happening like we don't we don't you know condone all this like you know free speech bashing and whatnot like i don't care that you're a conservative you're still a cool guy like i still want to have lunch with you and you know grab beers with you and whatnot but it's like it's like yeah well you're you know you're kind of the exception to the the rule because you know i mean the left is just getting vicious now yeah insane so Cause now here's the thing, like Gavin, you know, has created these Censor.tv Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts, so that he can get his content out there and get followers, and they know this, and they also think of their so, and their excuse, I think, is well, it's associated with Proud Boys, so can't have that. Even though Gavin's distanced himself from the group, stepped down as their leader, and all that jazz, doesn't matter. Uh, and the other creepy thing is, you can't even share Censor.tv. Through a DM on Facebook, on Messenger. You can't even do that. I mean, that is just, it's so insane. I don't think people realize how bad this really is. And they're going to go further with it. Like, it's, it's already working. Maybe, I bet InfoWars links won't be able to be shared soon. I've, I've tried that before. You, you can't, you can, you can link to like, you can link to News Wars or some of the other stuff, but. But like I, I've got I've got to tell you, it was kind of creepy yesterday too because uh, someone and this was like a conservative, this was a conservative account I follow on uh, Twitter. Mm-hmm. So yesterday was so yesterday was Friday. Overall, it's been a pretty good week because of the State of the Union and oh, was you lit. know, um, and because of Rush getting the Presidential Medal of Honor, right? So one of the conservative accounts I follow like tweeted out like what was your favorite moment you know from the week mm-hmm. and I and I tweeted out well the the tweet I tried to tweet out was 
my hero Rush Limbaugh uh, getting the getting the mes- the Medal of Freedom. I tried to tweet that out. It wouldn't let me do it for the first hour. Then I was a then I tweeted out Rush Limbaugh getting the Medal of uh, Freedom. It would let me tweet that out, but mm. it still wouldn't let me tweet the part where I called him my hero. Then I finally, like three hours later, tweeted the hero thing again, and it finally went through. But still, wow. like, it's and maybe it was a glitch, but I doubt it. The way things are going. What so, happened when you tried to do that? What it say? It gave me like tweet could not. It was like it was like it was like there there was an error. There was like a and I'm like I'm connected to. I'm connected to Wi-Fi. Um, I was literally, I went, I, I literally went into the room in my house where the the router itself is, and like basically stood right next to it. So, you know, it it should have been able to go through, but I I don't know. It's it's frustrating. So yeah, it is, and I think you know when you see what a lot of these companies are doing and they're getting away with, it's going to accelerate. And I think that acceleration is kind of what needs to happen, but it needs to accelerate quicker because you need to get people like Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan banned because those people, their fan bases are huge combined together and can really start more of an uprising against this. And I mean, Gavin is, I I, I think the, the interesting thing with, you know, like Rush Limbaugh or Gavin is that what's good is, and it's unfortunately it's not most of their fans, but their core fans, their base, will go out and find them wherever they go. Because I'm one yeah. of the people that does that. And I know there's like about 20, 30,000 other people that do the same, but it's not enough. We need, conservatives are for some reason kind of lazy that way, where it's like, once it gets out of the spotlight or something, they kind of forget about it and tune on and move on. And I understand if you have a busy life and all that, but they don't. They can be loyal. They can be super loyal, but sometimes not always. Well, I don't want. I don't want to dox you here, so I'm just gonna ask <laughs> you real, real quick. Yeah. Um, Sean, do do people know? Uh, your your major on this. Oh yeah, my major is advertising. I've probably said it before. Okay. Okay. So. Didn't want to. Okay, right. So you're so you're an advertising major, and I'm a marketing and, and promotions guy as well. Well, technically, I'm a I'm a professional technical writer. That's my major, but you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing as promotions and advertising. Yeah. And people ask people ask why are you getting into advertising and promotions professionally as opposed to talk radio? And it's like, well, I already know how to do talk radio because i've been doing it basically you know since i was a teenager but i wanted to become an kind of kind of to become like an admin an ad man so to speak so i can help promote and brand conservative Mm -hmm. uh stuff better because right now i mean we've gotten better than we were like 20 years ago oh yeah still um so long ago now that Andrew Breitbart is gone, he was the marketing master in terms of, but after he died, you know, things kind of, you know, fell apart again. So I want to market, you know, conservatism again. And I want to make, you know, punk rock 
conservatism cool again. Yes. And the, on, the only way we're going to do that is by marketing ourselves effectively. Mm-hmm. So That's true, and that's why I like people, especially like Milo, that they get that, that it's not about the ideas you have. It's about how you package it, how you sell it. You know, you can have the worst product, well, not necessarily the worst product in the world, but let's take this hyperbole and, you know, run with me on this. Like, you could have the worst product in the world, but if it has the best packaging, the best sales, you're going to still sell it. Will you keep people, will you keep loyal customers? Uh, probably not, because it's crap. But if you have the best product and the worst packaging, nobody's going to buy you. Nobody's going to buy you. And that's where it comes down to in the end. And the other thing, too, when you mentioned, like, sort of this week kind of being, you know, all the stuff happening this week. Like, we've had some weird stuff happen this week uh, where at the beginning of the week, we um, we learned that our Turning Point USA advisor at Penn State, apparently, after two years of him being retired, apparently, now the university has an issue with it and saying, you need you guys need to get an advisor because you don't have one that's a full-timer on. And then our tabling that we have in the hub here, apparently now we didn't have it. It got overwritten for the rest of the semester. Uh, and they have this unwritten rule where you can't, early, you know, early in advance book stuff, uh, you know, like one table, let's say, for the rest of the semester. Even though you're allowed to book stuff 365 days in advance, I talked to them. They're like, well, you know, we just recommend to people not to do that because you monopolize on the table. And I said, well, is this like a rule change or something? And she didn't give me a straight answer. She just said, well... We do it from time to time. We will recommend it to people. I'm like, of all the tables you do, do you do it to us? Yeah, yeah. From we, yeah, we do it from time to time. Translation: Whenever there is a, <laughs> a conservative. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, and I well, look. See, if, it's, if it's not an actual rule, I'd go and challenge them on it. Yeah. If they're just recommending that, because at that point there could be litigation potential. It's very, look, I, I might have known, they might have sent me an email before, I don't know, I don't remember, but it's still, I have a problem with these sort of unwritten rules. Like, And the other thing too is like with our advisor, they told us he was grandfathered in even though he retired. I didn't find that rule written anywhere per se, but they told us. I wish I still had the email to show people, but how come after two years, now it's an issue? You know, it's a little fishy. Yeah, no, everything that you get from now on, like from the university about like, you know, your club, start documenting it, Mm -hmm. start saving those emails, export them, you know, because at this point, this seems like, you know, there could be some potential that this could be litigated. Just every single communication, get in writing, save it, print it out, you know, do whatever you will, but it needs to be documented. And I because. think some of it could be coincidental. There could be some reasons for it, but the amount is a little, little weird. And with our new club, we're starting. Apparently, they were approving clubs in order that they got them. But I know a club that sent all their paperwork in after me. Maybe they sent their um, intent to organize form a bit early. That's the only thing that's possible. But I don't think so because I did ours in the morning, pretty early on the first day, and apparently they have been approved. Ours hasn't. Ours is going to get approved next week, according to them. So I'm I'm not going to bash them too, you know, much or anything. But again, these things are a little weird. Yeah, no. If there's an unwritten rule, tell them. Okay, well, if it's unwritten, then I'm doing it. Yeah, and we've had also weird stuff in our group meetings where some people were leaving, and then something really crazy happened the other night that I'm going to 
keep private for now, but it's just like, I just feel like a weird week. Even though there are a lot of highs, there were some like weird lows, if you know what I mean. It's it's just so weird. Yeah. You know, they're out to get you. You know, mm-hmm. you know they have a whole group me organized to go and destroy Turning Point. Now they're going to have two clubs to destroy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I we're already setting up the speaking event, by the way, to give a little update uh, with the venue. And boy, it's going to be a professional setup, all right. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time. So, Sam, have any last thoughts? And where can people find you and check out your show? You can uh, follow me on Twitter at SamW underscore NGC for now, at least. <laughs> I don't know when I'll be. I could be banned any day now. Yeah. Uh, you can you can go to my website, thesamwhitfield.com, and uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel and podcast, The Whitfield Report. Uh, and I'll be doing a live stream tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. So uh, right after this, I'll be doing show prep and... Uh, I'll be talking a bit more about the, um, you know, State of the Union. And uh, all your stuff actually has me intrigued. So, you know, maybe we could do an after show together. Who knows? Yeah, if I have time, I might hop on. Uh, well, and speaking of us on Versa here, we'll probably on D Live in a few hours tonight, maybe around 11 or so. I don't know. We we'll, might be doing some Minecraft streaming again with some commentary. So if anybody's interested I, in that, go on D Live and look up Versa Media and you can find us. I don't know what the link is, but you can find it somewhere. I still need to get on D Live. People have been telling me to, and I'm, I'm finally going to cave. I it's think. great, except the one big downers they did ran Alex Jones, which. I have an issue with that, but they're better than the alternative. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more real news.